Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. Once again, that's 646 646- 727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there. Welcome to another edition of Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted to have you with me this afternoon, um, if you're listening live. Of course, if you're listening to the recorded version, I'm glad you're listening. Um, we have a, a planned guest uh, with us this afternoon, um, and we're going to be getting to her in just a second, but I want to just remind you that these are your 45 minutes. Um, if you're working with a student who's not responding very well to Plan B or running into trouble using Plan B, ooh, drilling for information is hard, and collaborating on solutions is hard, and sometimes using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to make sure we have the right lenses on and make sure we know what problems we're trying to solve with the kid. That can be hard, and getting people at school to buy in hard. Well, this is your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, complain if you want to, but only briefly. Then we've got to move on to solving the problem. Uh, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. If you want to call in, once again, that number is 646-727-2691. If you're not the type to call in, email me if you have a question. Uh, You can send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. Raining here in Boston again today. We're supposed to get three to six inches over the next mm, three days. So that'll be interesting, given that we were flooding already. Um, Been a wet March. Apparently we're breaking records. That's not why you're calling in today, though. Just me letting you know it's a gray day here in the Northeast. Maybe the sun is shining where you are. I want to just briefly fill you in on a conversation I was having with somebody uh, not too long ago today. Um, we were discussing um, the difference in the words collaboration, cooperation, and compliance, because people do tend to get those confused. Um, what a lot of people use as a substitute for the word collaboration is cooperation. Mm, 
they're not the same thing. When you're asking someone to cooperate, actually, in many instances, when people are using the word cooperate, they're really saying, I want you to cooperate with what I'm telling you to do. Which means what they're really saying is, I want you to do what you're told, which means they're really saying, I want you to comply. Compliance, not the same thing as collaboration. And you're not collaborating with a kid just so he'll comply. You're collaborating with him so that you can understand what his concern or perspective is on the unsolved problem you all are trying to work on right now. And then you're collaborating when you want him to understand your concern or perspective on the same unsolved problem. And then you're collaborating when y'all are working together to try to work toward a solution that gets the concerns of both parties addressed. That's collaboration, not cooperation, not compliance, but the real McCoy. Collaborating. Somebody asked me in another conversation this morning um, why this is so hard for folks. And the answer is because a lot of us haven't had a whole lot of practice at true collaboration. We probably learned how to cooperate early on, and that, to the people who were trying to get us to cooperate, meant comply with what they said. But true collaboration... Uh, learning how to really drill for information about where the other person is coming from. Most of us don't get a lot of practice at that. But that's something worth getting good at. Otherwise, you end up skimming the surface so much. Otherwise, you end up not getting the problem solved in the first place because you were just skimming the surface. So you're trying to solve a surface problem, but not uh, not what's really going on. This came up, by the way, in another conversation this morning. I guess I've been busy today. Uh, in another conversation this morning, I was with some teachers who were trying to figure out why a kid hadn't responded to their attempts to help him at school. And um, the school issues were really never particularly well understood in the first place. And so the solutions were in response to problems that were very poorly understood. Problems that are very poorly understood don't get solved because they weren't understood well enough in the first place to solve them. I recommended that they go to the empathy step, drill a little, figure out what was going on with the kid, see if they could get his concern or perspective on the table then maybe they'd have a real-life problem to solve, real-life concerns to be addressed on the part of the kid. Then maybe he'd be more receptive to hearing about and understanding their concerns and more open to the idea that maybe it was worth making sure that their concerns got addressed too. That's collaboration, not cooperation, not compliance. Uh, Another kid I was hearing about today, um, actually I'm going to tell you about another kid after we get our guest on the air. 
because um, I want to make sure that we cover what this person is calling about today. Um, let me click my on-air button here. Hello? Hello, how are you? Welcome to the program. Thank you. Are you calling from the West Coast, as I thought you might be? Yes. Outstanding. And um, you've got some kids who you're wondering if Plan B might be appropriate for in your school building, yes? Yes. Outstanding. And um, let me just remind you, don't use any names. Mm -hmm. No real reason to use any location. Um, People now know you're on the West Coast, but they don't even know which West Coast I'm talking about. I guess you could be the West Coast of Florida. But you could be the West Coast of anywhere. But um, give us a little bit of an idea about what it is you're struggling with with these kids. Okay. Um, I'm going to use one particular child and then maybe a couple of more because uh, there's this one child who's it's middle school, seventh grade. Yep. He He's um, very impulsive, uh, difficulty handling transitions. I'm looking at the lagging skills. Mm-hmm. Um Difficulty um, focusing, difficulty considering likely outcomes of his actions, very impulsive, um, easily frustrated. Um, and the unsolved problems we're having with him is that he'll come in after lunch, which we have a two-hour class every day, fifth and sixth period at the end of the day. He'll come in, he'll be, he'll sit where he wants to, for example, rather than his assigned seat. And then we've lost we've lost it because once he sits where he wants to, he's he's going out there and he's talking to other kids. Um, he's out of his seat. He's off task. He's you know all over the classroom, and um, and then he triggers other kids in the classroom to do things which are disruptive and preventing instruction. Probably wouldn't be terrible if you told us what kind of a classroom it is. Okay, um, this is a language English language classroom. Okay. We, um, have two certificated teachers in there, um, one general ed, one special ed. I'm the special ed teacher. How many kids total? Sixteen. And he's one of them? He's one of the sixteen. And, and that's a very small group for two teachers. Um, but we're still struggling with the class and getting order and presenting the curriculum. So I'm just busily writing down here. First of all, it sounds like he has quite a few lagging skills. My bet is that you stopped short of going through the entire list of lagging skills. Yes. That's right. Right. You, I had a, but, you, you, but he sounds like he's uh, the ones you covered were like the first eight, and then you stopped. So I'm assuming that there are some that come after that. Yeah. Um, is, he a, is he a relatively socially skilled kid? No. No. Uh, so if you had kept going, we would have also heard about some of these social skills he's lacking. Yes. And... The fact that he is in a, an English language learner, as we call it in these parts, classroom, does that speak to any communication skill issues that he has trouble with? Not verbally in English. In fact, I think he was in, he was in an English-only English class. So it's not his verbal English skills. Our focus is for the written skills and the reading skills and the grammar and that sort of stuff. Got it. So it's academic English that we're teaching, not spoken English. Got it. And want to give us a little bit of information about what kind of social skills he's lacking? I noticed that when he's in this mode of hyper energy, um, 
off-task, disruptive kind of stuff, he gets a very silly grin on his face and just like his eyes light up and, and it's like jumping and dancing around. And, and even though this is a seventh grader, I would say appropriate for maybe a four-year-old. Got it. So, I mean, so you know, like... Quite the burst kids, of energy. Yes. And, and, and the funny thing is that when he's not in that mode, you see he almost doesn't look like the same kid. Huh. Very interesting. Does Do people who have him at other times during the day request that uh, report that he's has these bursts of energy as well? Yes, I understand that he um, he has double black with a math and, and science teacher, and he was frequently sent out to the hall in that class. Mm-hmm. Of course, sending somebody out in the hall doesn't address a lot of the factors that could be giving rise to sudden bursts of energy, yes? Right, and, and we're not, it's a policy not to do that, but that's happening. <laughs> Got it. Well, and sometimes it's an act of desperation, Right. Because if the problem isn't solved, number one, if we don't understand the sudden burst of energy, then we won't solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, if it doesn't get solved and we feel like we need to protect the other 15 kids, mm-hmm. then um, if we feel like we're not having a great deal of success with this particular kid, then we might send him out, at least hoping, knowing, knowing that that's not going to produce success with him, but at least hoping that we can salvage the other 15. Yes? Right, right. Got it. And but is he reliably this way when he comes into your class? No. 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 Um, some would, days he is, and some days he isn't. Right, and and I and I suspect what happens is like one day last week, one of our assistant principals walked him to the class, and had had a talk with him before he came in, and so he came in and sat down, and he looked the opposite. He looked sad. And uh, oh, the opposite of him of being hyper is sad. Hyper and happy. He, he looked sad. He looked, Got it. you know, like just kind of down in the mouth. Got it. And so, an important question, um, not necessarily our focal point, but uh, what do you know about whether he's taking any prescribed medication? Whether anybody has rendered a diagnosis? Not that on this program diagnoses are the most important ingredient, but to, to what degree do you know about that aspect of? any type of care he's receiving? None. In fact, since I'm his case carrier, I'm preparing to write his report, his annual report, and um, he has obviously a history of this kind of behavior, but I don't see any evidence of it having been medically assessed or any medical intervention. Any contact with a mental health professional? No. Very interesting. So, um, a lot of people, based on your description and after perhaps asking a few additional questions, would start to wonder if this kid was one of the rare instances of uh, because of his alternating between what some people, I don't know enough about it to call it this, but what some people might call mania mm-hmm. and sadness. Um, and on this program, I don't have time to do a and it's not my place either on a program like this to do a proper evaluation of much of anything. Right. Um, the real goal of the program is to see whether Plan B might help us out, collaborative problem solving might be useful in, a, in this case. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, given the description that you've provided, some people would begin thinking about a diagnosis of bipolar disorder for a kid like this, right. and that's a diagnosis that I um, am extremely 
cautious about. Yes. That's why I'm a little bit uncomfortable even bringing it up based on the little that we've heard about this guy. And yet, kids who, um, and I don't think there's anywhere near as many of them out there as other people do, but maybe he fits the description based on what you're telling us so far, which suggests potentially the need to get him evaluated by somebody who could take a look at that. Right. On the other hand, that's not the focal point of this program. focal point of this program is collaborative problem solving. Okay, and let me, let me say that um, in these circumstances with the population that I work with, this is an immigrant population. Yep. Um, some of them are legal and some of them are not. Some have health insurance, some don't. Um, but the attitude towards mental health is very suspicious and um, the actual follow-through for those services is not likely. So this bigger problem is that we have children who do have possible needs for assessment and intervention outside with medical and therapy, and getting that help for them is 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 frequently not going to happen. So, and so how do you and do Go ahead, sorry. How did you see this collaborative problem solving with a child who's really under under treated? Well, we don't know if he's under treated. Mm -hmm. um, my goal in doing this program is to help people get good at collaborative problem solving mm -hmm. while also um, acknowledging that there are some things that collaborative problem solving won't address particularly well, sometimes until a kid is medicated well. And by no means am I jumping to that conclusion about this right. kid. That would, be, right. that would be quite the leap were I to be right. making it. I'm simply um, latching on to your description of him as alternatingly uh, very active and mm -hmm. what some people would call manic. I mm -hmm. would have to be persuaded of that. And sadness. Based on that, um, and once again, it's not my role to do a comprehensive evaluation over the phone with a kid who I've never met. Right. But um, based on that, it sounds like this is a kid who, we, at the very least, we would like to understand why that's his presentation better than we do now. Right. And while that could involve a medical professional, and while a medical professional could at some point render some sort of a diagnosis in ways that I would be, of course, very hesitant to um, in this type of a format, um, it comes to mind. But back to the big question. Is there a way to understand, because that's what we're interested in doing, understanding the variations in the way he is presenting himself in your classroom better than we do now. Because if we don't understand it, then we sure aren't going to fix it. So here's my question. Let's say that the unsolved problem you wanted to work with on him, with him was the fact that some days he comes into your class and he's um, very energetic, perhaps too much so. Yes. And some days he is actually sad, mm -hmm. and if he's not super energetic or sad, is there another presentation that we might see? That's the interesting thing. Um, at some point, I can see that he settles in, and he will work either by himself or even more work with partners and even in a group and get some work done. Even when he comes in super energized? Yes. Very interesting because, um, geez, I wonder how he does that. I wonder how he goes. Maybe maybe you could tell us if you've observed it. 
or if there's something going on in the class, um, how does he go from super energized to getting work done? Um, How's that happen? I I think that if he has like a half hour or sometimes maybe a little more of time where he's just sitting and resting and this energy has an opportunity to just settle in and relax, then he can wake up and actually concentrate. Wow. Um, yeah. so that, that's interesting by itself, to tell you the truth. Um, here's my question. Um, have you ever tried doing Plan B with this kid proactively? Not not when he's either sad or not when he's super energized, but proactively way before the problem comes up. I have met with this child more than any other child since January. Got it. And <laughs> let's assume, <laughs> well, and you wouldn't be calling if it had gone supremely well. No. So we may need to troubleshoot a little bit on why you don't have much to show for all of those conversations. Right. You know, I've always said, um, you know, I have a lot of faith in Plan B, but Plan B consists of some very specific ingredients, mm -hmm. three steps in particular, but ingredients associated with each step. And what I find is that when those ingredients aren't present, then while there might be a lot of, and I have no idea what's going on between you and this kid, but though there might be... Um, a lot of conversing going on, a lot of time being spent. If the ingredients aren't present, then sometimes all of that talking hasn't necessarily given us anything to show for our efforts. So let me ask you this. What 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 have you been doing in those conversations? Um, let's see. I'm looking at my notes. Um, I met him in the beginning of January when I first started doing... Uh, collaborative problem solving, he was disruptive in his math class, and I said, I noticed that you were in the hallway and not in your math class. Um, what's, you have any idea what's up with that? You know, what, I think I did that that way. Okay. And he came back with, um, uh, as I was talking to him, he became very upset and crying. Um, hmm. he's very. Oh yeah, he was taken into my office. Now this was March. He was taken into my office, and he reported to me that the teacher blamed him for disrupting the whole class and and um, for an incident that happened with another child, and then shouted him in his face to shut up. And he begged me to get him out of that class. And at that point, I drew a circle map, which we use for um, a visual. Um, graphic organizer for brainstorming, mm -hmm. and I said, "Well, what are we going to put in the middle? What is, you know, what would you say is the is the the big problem that's that's causing these situations where you're getting kicked out of class and blamed, and your teacher's getting mad at you?" And I helped him. I prompted him just a little bit. I said, "What is this energy?" And we described it as energy unleashed. Okay. So I put that in the middle of the circle map, and. Um, I said, well, you know, what helps you when you have that energy unleashed? Because already he had already been crying, and he was very yeah, upset. What, what was he crying about? 
he was just so embarrassed and hurt that he was that over and over again that this has been happening for months that he he's being humiliated in front of the other kids and he's being kicked out and um, so this is I would call this believe it or not not that I'm dying to hear about kids crying but I would call this a positive sign because it suggests that he hasn't yet moved toward a place of such alienation that he um, has reverted to at least giving the impression that he's getting off or getting his jollies and this is always misleading information anyways but that he's getting his jollies by being disruptive not at all. Right. And so we have a kid who's truly remorseful, mm-hmm. upset about how he's being treated, upset about how he's being perceived. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that's actually, though I'm sorry to hear that he was crying, that's actually a positive sign. Right. Here's the interesting thing. If we move, and I don't know if I have enough details to jump to this conclusion yet, but if we move too quickly to brainstorming solutions before we have a clear understanding of why he is coming in. And you were working on a slightly different unsolved problem. You were working on a specific class in which um, he had been reprimanded and blamed, etc. If we move too quickly to try to solve a problem, before we understand the problem, mm-hmm. it won't get solved. And, and you know what? I'm, in that particular instance of meeting with him was right after it happened, so that was more proactive. But I see on I the other I would call that page, more emergent. Yeah, emergency, yeah. Yep. And I see on the other side that my notes, he, he described himself as sad and mad at being blamed as a bad kid, getting in trouble every day. Both kids were throwing insults. He was angry. I mean, so he was actually really describing his state of mind at that time yes yes so but here's what we're still missing mm-hmm. um but one question is whether that episode represents the norm or whether of course the main goal of the empathy step is to gather information so that we understand the kids concern or perspective as clearly as possible mm-hmm. it sounds to me like uh, we understood what it was that he was upset about. Mm-hmm. Do we understand, because and because you were having this conversation outside the presence of the teacher that he got into it with, right. Right. what do we understand about what really happened? Uh, and what really happened, of course, or at least do we have a contrasting point of view from the adult who he got into it with to, to give us sort of a sense of, did we learn anything about him in general from this specific instance? To what degree does this specific instance inform troubles that he's having more globally? That, I guess that's my question for you. Um, that, did this particular instance give us um, useful information about his pattern of alternating between being super energized, sadness, and actually being able to get some work done. And do we know more about that? Does this incident inform that? And what do we know about that if this incident doesn't? 
Okay, and I'm looking at other times I met with him. Yep. Several other times I met with him, and it was like the day after things, so it wasn't like proactive or emergency. I, it was proactive. So, um, and, and every meeting with us was about interrupting and things like calling out and interrupting and disrupting class. So, and, and I did bring up specific situations where he did that. And I'm, I'm looking at here and I'm kind of pulling together some kind of a flow of, you know, what comes in common and how he's describing what's going on for him. Yep. Um, it's very painful for him when a teacher doesn't listen. Um, and he cannot change from one state of mind to another. If he does not get feedback right away, he's, his mind keeps going over and over again on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, if you know, if say if he raises his hand, nobody calls on him, then then his mind goes over and over again. Or if another student teases him or looks at him again, it, it triggers a certain process of like this kind of over and over again kind of energy that cycles. And well, now you're calling it cycling. We're not sure yet. Right. Okay. So okay. So I'm describing them. He was sitting next to a kid, a couple of kids. I was asking them to be quiet, and this other student was saying them to him. And then he said, then I felt like nothing mattered. He said that? Yeah, I felt like nothing mattered, and I didn't care what the consequences were. Okay. So one thing that we are learning, this is, you know, this is always fascinating. This is why um, it's always with great trepidation that we would lead with a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. because... This is clearly much more complicated than a mere diagnosis will explain. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing, based on what you're telling us, mm-hmm. is that there are a variety of factors, and, and I want to just make sure that I'm hearing you saying this right because I don't want to put words in your mouth. There's a variety of factors mm-hmm. that could set the stage for him to enter into either a super-energized Yes. Or sad state. Yes. Yes? Yes. There's being teased. Yeah. There's not being listened to. Yes. So there are, quite frankly, lots of unsolved problems, Mm -hmm. as I call them, Mm -hmm. that could set in in motion him looking that way. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yes. Just want to make sure I'm, I don't want to lead the witness like I'm in like I like caution adults not to lead the witness when it's the kid I don't want to lead the witness when it's an adult no and and you know what that's why I take notes while I'm talking to him because you know I it's, it's difficult to focus um and I and I already have like several meetings with him and I'm trying to you know like I want to see what did I write when we were meeting yes and here's I mean here's the um way that I organize what I'm hearing I don't organize what I'm hearing diagnostically, although you could tell from earlier in the program, I can go there if information leads me in that direction. Mm-hmm. But I'm mostly organizing, first by lagging skill, and then, even more importantly, by unsolved problem. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to do is organize this conversation with an overarching unsolved problem, which is sometimes he looks over-energized, and sometimes he looks sad. Yeah. And in a, as an overarching theme, 
we're trying to un- understand that better than we do now. Right. Sometimes he's able to get down to work even when he's energized. Mm-hmm. My bet is that sometimes he's not. We would like to understand that too. Mm-hmm. And in your conversations with him, you have uncovered what we might call precipitants, unsolved problems that set in motion him looking that way. Right. I personally don't think we understand it as well as we could yet, but that's why you're calling. Right. Um, so I'm, but the way I organize my information gathering is quite frankly by sorting, uh, I'm sorting through the information by unsolved problems. Mm-hmm. I'm sorting through them with unsolved problems as the focal point through which I'm organizing my questioning. Mm-hmm. And the cool part here is we do have sort of an overarching unsolved problem that we want to know more about. Right. Why does he sometimes come in looking so energized? Mm-hmm. And why at other times does he look so sad? Right. And is there a difference, for example, when he's being teased? Does he have any sense about what direction things are going to break in, over-energized or sad? Are adults only not, these are some of the questions, by the way, way, that I would probably be asking as I was doing the part of the empathy stuff that people have the hardest time with, drilling for information. Mm-hmm. Is, is, it, um, is there something that happens, for example, before he comes in your class that makes him look over-energized? Does it just happen? Uh, is one of the things we know about being teased, um, an adult not listening to him, uh, somebody making him out to be a bad kid, which he feels like he's not. All the things that you've already uncovered and done a nice job of getting a handle on, mm-hmm. are those what precede him walking into your class looking super energized? Or are there other things? And these are questions. Truth is, the fact that you've gotten the kind of information you've gotten out of him mm-hmm. tells me that this is a kid who you can get information out of. That's good. Yeah. So now what I'm looking for is just more specific information. And and people always say to me, how do you know when you're done drilling for information? And my answer to that always is when you feel like you have the picture, when you you say to yourself, you know what, I got it. Mm -hmm. But the empathy step always ends by asking a kid, is there anything more than I should know about this? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm not ready to end the empathy step yet, but I am ready to ask him, what is it that sends you into my class looking so energized? Is it teased? Is it um, somebody being on your case? Is it somebody not listening to you? Or are there other things that set that in motion that we haven't talked about yet? Right. And the more he's telling me about what sets in, it in motion, the more my list of unsolved problems grows. Mm-hmm. But I'm still here in the empathy step. Mm-hmm. Often when you're doing the empathy step for the the first time with a kid, you get more information than you bargained for. You get get lots of information about lots of unsolved problems. And I'm glad you're taking notes because he's singing. He's he's giving you what you're looking for. But we're going to organize it one unsolved problem at a time. Okay. Now, I'm talking a lot here and not letting you talk, but let me just keep going one more second. The other interesting thing I'd like to know from him is, and I mentioned this earlier, is is it usually the same things that cause him to be both over-energized and sad, 
Or are there certain unsolved problems that make him sad and certain unsolved problems that might cause him to become over-energized? I'd like to start seeing if he can distinguish between sad and this super-energized thing. Okay. And, boy, that would be, for me, to tell you the truth, that would be very clarifying as it relates to my questions about, number one, do I need to make a referral here to a mental health professional, which right. you're telling us he might not, he and his family might not follow through on anyways. Right. But I'm not, I'm not certain at the moment that he needs a referral to a mental health professional, mm-hmm. and I'm not certain that any particular diagnosis makes sense, but that's because mm-hmm. I haven't heard enough yet to know what makes sense. Right. We've got more drilling to do. Right. What other, what, what, what are you thinking as I'm talking here? Um, well, the information that I'm describing came from meeting with him over two and a half months' time. So I've observed him a lot. Um, let me see. Here's another couple of pages. Um, yeah, as you're reading, let me ask, does it make sense what I'm saying, which is to organize your thinking and inquiring by unsolved problems? Does that make sense? Yes, um, it does. I mean, especially if you have a situation where a child has many unsolved problems. And, well, know, it recurs. the vast majority of challenging ones do <laughs> because they pile up over time. Yes. And the longer they go unsolved, the bigger the pile grows. Mm-hmm. And he's been having trouble for a long time. Right. So it's not surprising that his pile of unsolved problems is bursting. Right. But go ahead. What what else do you have in those other meetings that you can tell us about? Okay, so I see there was another situation February 3rd where he said that the teacher was targeting him instead of other people for discipline. And, um, yeah, so in other words, that's, that's two different teachers in two different situations where he's he's complaining that, that he's the one getting getting the discipline, the other ones are not. And um, he's saying that the circumstance of that was that kids were teasing him. So the issue of kids teasing him is is a big one for him. Yes, big, huge, huge unsolved problem. Right. Um, And this is where this starts to get exciting because now he's not this amorphous bad kid. He's not this – and the things you're telling about him, telling us about him, um, he doesn't even sound like a bad kid. He's getting in trouble a lot, but – there's something precipitating it. Truth is, since teasing is so big, mm-hmm. I'd want to hear lots about teasing, okay. what they're teasing him about, who it is. And, and as I always say, but I might as well say it again because there's folks who listen to this who haven't listened before, drilling for information usually focuses on who and who would be applicable to teasing, what, that would be applicable to teasing, what are they teasing you about, when, that would be applicable. When are they teasing you? Mm-hmm. Um, where? Who, what, where, when? They all seem applicable. Mm-hmm. We want more information about teasing because uh, if your notes tell us anything, they tell us that teasing may be the most common precipitant mm-hmm. setting in motion his challenging behavior. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't this be interesting if this was mostly about teasing mm-hmm. and not mostly about cycling? Boy, this is... Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many kids I've worked with 
whose behavior was described as cycling. But when we gathered more information, and, and rapid cycling is something that is commonly said to lead us to a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Right. And I haven't talked myself out of the need for medical evaluation yet, but to tell you the truth, the more we're talking, um, the less compelling it seems. Yeah. Teasing's big. Here, here's another drilling question. So when you're getting in trouble with your teachers, is the teasing what came before you getting in trouble? And it's your reaction to teasing that's getting you in trouble? Or are there other things that you're getting in trouble for that don't have anything to do with teasing? Mm -hmm. That's a very clarifying uh, question that I would ask if I was drilling for information. And once again, the goal, let's really get the total picture here on, once again, why this kid looks super energized sometimes and sad others. Mm -hmm. what, else, what else do you have in your notes? And I'm looking over here, and I'm finding... And I should mention that, as always happens when we have a really fascinating kid we're talking about and the person who's trying to help him, we only have about four minutes left in the program. Right. Um, but keep going. I know you're... Um, but go, keep going. What, what else okay. do you got? Um, one of my first conversations, um, it was also a situation where the teacher was giving instructions and he couldn't understand, and that's when he started to... I, what he says is that he's bored. Okay, that's how, how he frames it. He's bored. Um, now, there's a very big difference between bored and not being able to understand instructions. Okay, so... Okay. We'd want to clarify that. Right. That's right. what drilling for information is for, too. Okay. So ask him about when are you bored and when are you confused and you don't understand. Yes, although to be perfectly honest with you, teasing has shot up the charts here. Uh, you'll have to decide whether your notes tell you anything differently. But not understanding instructions slash boredom, unsolved problem. Mm -hmm. Being teased, unsolved problem. Mm -hmm. Not feeling listened to, unsolved problem. Feeling blamed, unsolved problem. Right. Um, uh, you're not going to be able to work on them all at once. No. So if I'm right just based on what I'm hearing, this is not a right or wrong issue, it's just based on the information you've given us, it sounds like um, a meaningfully large percentage of his, la of his uh, challenging episodes flow from teasing. We might want to start with that one. Okay, we can do that. Now, I'm going to give you the invitation I give everybody who calls in. I, I like to get some continuity going on this program. Mm -hmm. By continuity, I mean... We are often hearing on this program about kids, and I'm helping people sort through what they want to talk to the kid about mm -hmm. and what kind of questions they would ask. Mm -hmm. But it is less common for us to hear back from people who did the drilling mm -hmm. to come back and let us know what they found out. Mm -hmm. So you have an open invitation. Mm -hmm. um, if you are going to be talking with him this week, mm -hmm. um, I'll bump what we were going to do next week to later in the program. Okay. Because we've got a principal who we're going to be talking to next week who's implemented collaborative problem solving in his school in Sanford, Maine. Oh. But um, we can postpone him or have him go first and you go second. Because mm -hmm. I really want people to hear, now that we've talked about potential ripe, fruitful areas for more drilling, mm -hmm. what you find out once you drill. Okay. And I know it's asking quite a bit of you because you're in the middle of a school day here. 
but it'd be great if you could fill us in on what you find out because you've got me curious now and I'm betting other folks who are going to be listening to this are going to be curious too. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's going on with this kid? How do we understand what's going on with him? And that's going to lead us to intervention. Right. Right. Let me repeat the theme I began with today. If we don't understand what's getting in his way, if we don't understand what's getting in his way, we won't fix it. Yeah. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. I don't know if you all are hearing what's going on with the phone line right now, but we seem to get the hint that we should end this program. So I think we'll do that. Thank you for listening in today. Fascinating kid. Brave teacher. The need for more drilling. Talk to you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.